this side we had uh, an exciting week for our movement. Things are coming along nicely. And uh, it's clear now that we are heading somewhere. And it's very exciting, guys. I really uh, like what we are seeing. Despite some issues that we have here and there, but in the main, uh, it looks like the movement is on the right path. Uh, I'm just waiting for a few colleagues to come in, but while we're waiting for those colleagues, if anyone wants to say something, uh, you can raise your hand and say it, and I'll give you the mic. We prefer that we need to keep our spaces uh, short and sweet, because uh, we all now aware that we are on the same page we are heading somewhere and that's exciting news first let me announce good news uh for those who have been monitoring the trend over uh, the past couple of days we marched to the um to the union buildings on the 24th and we a couple of days later we woke up to good news and that good news is that uh the government won't be renewing uh, the ZEP uh, permits, which is good news. Uh, we need to really push on. We are, I mean, in 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 uh, in America or US, they almost said it's they said it's a home run, and indeed we are we are getting there. We are we are winning this battle, and this battle once we have won it, we are not winning it for ourselves. We are winning it for all South Africans. As much as some don't want to raise their hands and 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 be part uh, of us, but we are all going to enjoy the benefits out of this. And anybody who was watching TV uh, last last night, you may have seen what uh, Minister Errol Errol Mutsuaridi was saying. And uh, the beauty is he refused to be called xenophobic for putting the movement first, for saying we put South Africa first. And I was, I for one was very excited that we have a minister who is willing to stand up for South Africans. And I really urge all of us, um, and by the way, don't confuse this as the support for the ANC. It's not the support for ANC, but when we have minister who's doing good, we need to be man enough and stand up and give praise where it's due. I was very excited about the minister who refused to be called uh, xenophobic. And the minister announced that, look, we're doing a citizen, we're doing citizenship uh, audit from 2004. That's good news. We have been asking for that. We have been saying for all this time that we need to do that. We need to make sure that this country uh, it's restored of course minus the um that evil apartheid but we need to make sure that we are on the right path and i was very excited that errol mutuari we seem to be at last we seem to have found an ally uh, or a friend who's prepared to go all the way out risk everything that there is because you know you must understand it's not easy because the people who control the media the people who control the narrative the people who control the finance there are these people who believe in borderless world. Because remember, when we have borders, it's not easy for them to make money. 
So they want to make sure that we are all rooming around like animals and they are all somewhere up at the top taking all the, I mean, the, the profits or the benefits. So I, I say to, to, to Aaron Mutsuari, the pickups, and we really appreciate uh, what he did. Um, we, we, we wish more and more ministers were like that. I think we still need to have uh, a serious, serious chat with, uh, with uh, Tula's, uh, Minister Tulas Nunesi. We really need to have a serious chat with him because at this point, he is not, uh, he's not coming on board. And that's it's not right for the for I mean for 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 South Africa. Uh, we need to have uh, the president when we were when we were marching on the twenty fourth. The president was clear to say, "Well, take your I mean your uh, your grievance to the Home Affairs." And yes, the Home Affairs was listening. So now we need to also take this to Labour Minister. We need guys to make sure that we visit that minister called. To last night. We can't have people uh, crying about this forever and ever and not do something about it. It's about time that we do something like that. As for some of the messages that you have seen over the, uh, over the past couple of days, uh, guys, let's be clear about something. And it's important that we, we say this and everybody understand or hears this. There are many people in government who sympathize with us. But that this is very important. Remember, there's government position and personal opinions. Everyone or everybody who works for the government or who has worked for the government understand that government, in the government, it's clear that they remain within the protocols. So all the communication that happens inside the government follows the protocols. Yes, people may have sympathy with us, but they are not going to disclose that publicly, that, oh, by the way, I agree with you guys, put South Africa first, I'm with you all the way. Because they need to make sure that whatever they are saying, it's in line with government communication. So please, let's not confuse our message. Let's make sure that those few sympathizers we, I'm not saying they must have special treatment. No, that's not what I'm saying. But we need to make sure that we don't confuse the movement. We don't want people to think that we are anti those who are sympathizing with us. So in other words, that's what I said to somebody on Twitter as well. I said, guys, we know, uh, we, we know very well that some people sympathize with us. And let's not divide the movement. By now, making those people who sympathize with us being part of the enemy. No, we don't and we should not be doing that. So with that, I would really like to, uh, I'm not going to apologize because it wasn't me, but I'm saying to everyone who's listening in here that guys, let's refrain from actually making enemies out of our friends. I may have gripe with some uh, with somebody else that i feel that i need i've got an x to grind but let's be bigger people let's realize that the whole thing is for the better of this country and the movement so those people guys let's make clear that if there's anything we protect them because if we throw them to the dogs remember those people who know that those are sympathizers 
they will be laughing at them saying, so we told you that your movement is made out of uh, uh, people who, I don't want to use the word, but uh, okay, let me not rather use it. Uh, you, your movement, the movement that you support, it's not, it has other motives. Guys, we don't want that. We want to be clear that our movement is about putting South Africa first and nothing else, nothing less, nothing more. So that, or I hope uh, people get the picture or I hope they understand what I'm talking about when I'm talking about uh, sympathizers in the government. Hence, I'm saying Aaron Mutuaredi has proven himself that he's part of, um, he really wants to fix this country. So let's support him. There are ministers like Tulas Nesi who has proven that it's either they're just incompetent, I'll say it here, they're incompetent, or they just have other deals with foreigners. Because for the life of me, if you look at the complaints that comes from South Africa, I just can't understand why Tulas Nesi does nothing about it. But anyway, we'll find out. We need to pay him a visit. That's, that's that. The next point that we had to deal with, and, and that's before we, big, we deal with a big elephant in the room. The next issue that we need to deal with is uh, the issue around the, uh, the division within the movement of Put South Africa First, or the supposedly uh, division within the movement of Put South Africa First. Guys, let's be clear about something. First, uh, let's be clear that outside uh, the Put South Africa First movement, we probably have people who are aligned to other political parties. We accept that, and we have said from day one that that's perfectly normal. But since this is a civic movement, it's not a political party. We are not ANC. We are not uh, Action SA. We are not ATM. We are not Patriotic Alliance. We are not a political party. And we it needs to be understood we are a civic movement and this civic movement it's about putting south africa first it's about making sure that the priorities of south africans or we're making sure that the needs and the priorities of of, of south africans are put first it's to make sure that this country doesn't fall on foreigners and we we, we don't we are unapologetic about that we that message will push it through and through but uh, let me report to you that we also had uh, uh, meetings as put South Africa first various NPOs, and we agree that the message is the same. The message is that we are all putting South Africa first. One of the resolution that was clear and the message that everyone understood, so any NPO that is part of put South Africa first understand, is that we do not negotiate with foreigners. We negotiate with our government. What we are fighting for, it's not foreigners will never do anything. So we don't meet foreigners behind closed doors and cut deals with foreigners. That, guys, I am very clear. And if there's anyone who was part of that meeting who feels that I'm, I'm moving out of what was agreed and discussed, please raise your hand. I'm more than happy to accept you as a speaker. But the message is clear. We do not, and there's not a single one of us who will negotiate with foreigners. We do not 
negotiate with Zimbabweans. We don't match with Zimbabweans. We don't match with Nigerians. We don't match with Ethiopians. They have their own issues with their government and they're fighting their own fight. Let them deal with their own issues. Here we are dealing with South African first. Put South Africa first matters. So I hope that is clear. So anybody who claims to represent Put South Africa and is marching with Nigerians and say we will probably find a way to cut deals with them. No, we don't cut deals with foreigners. There is nothing. For, as a matter of fact, our fight or our negotiation is with our government. So we don't involve foreigners in our matters. And we don't want the foreigners to involve us in their matters. So that was very clear, and we were united in that as Put South Africa First various movements. We were clear. We said we will speak in one voice, and we will tell everyone that we are not divided, and we will not be part of any of the matches. So if Zimbabweans tomorrow decide to go on a match, and somebody claims to represent South Africa, or Put South Africa movement, and say, yeah, I will match with them, guys, be very, very careful. Because that is not part of what was agreed by all the various put South Africa first NPOs. We don't match with them. We will just look at them and let them. So there are those who say, yeah, let's have uh, this in Johannesburg or somewhere else and show that we are in unity and all this. No, if they want to have their own unity, let them go have their own unity somewhere else, but not here in South Africa. As a matter of fact, I'll give an example. How do you negotiate with somebody who has just hijacked a building in downtown Johannesburg? A Nigerian will hijack or Zimbabwean or any foreigner will hijack a building and you said you're going to negotiate. There's nothing to negotiate. We can't negotiate with those people. So there's, if anybody says we are negotiating, no, they're probably negotiating on their own behalf, but they are not part of Put South Africa First. And on Twitter, guys, let's be clear. Let's not confuse ourselves. If you see that, we should know right away that these people are not speaking on behalf of Put South Africa First. They are speaking on behalf of themselves and they are not representing us, which is fair enough. People, it's South Africa is a free country. You can open, you can go and register your own uh, civic uh, body. It allows you to go ahead and register your own body. But please don't claim to be part of the Put South Africa First or hashtag Put South Africa First movement because you are not when you start doing that. And we are clear on that. You cannot, we cannot be seen to be, uh, I, it's, I, I don't want to use the hard word, but we can't be throwing things at South Africans. We know South Africans who are struggling, their spaza shops were closed, their general dealers, their dry cleans, and all those small businesses have been closed. And then we collaborate with the same people who closed it. We cannot be seen to be marching with people who are taking South Africans' jobs and claim that we want to find a solution there's no solution with those people. If there's anything that they can do for us is to leave our country. We were, uh, this country, we had businesses, we, have, we had spaza shops, we, we had no shortage of skills before they came in here. So I'm sure if they leave us, um, if they have the skills that we're talking about, I'm sure those skills are useful in, in, their, in, their, in their homes. They can go home and do that. So I hope that we have cleared that matter, that we won't be fighting about these issues and if there's anything about this issue, you can always raise it. Um, you can always raise it with any of the, uh, the Put South Africa First movement. But I was glad that we consistent all the leadership in all the NPOs were very clear that we don't. And that's it.
it's a principle it's a it's a principal position we negotiate only with our government we march only and we notify our government that this is the march that we want to do and this is what the focus will be on we are fighting our government to make sure that they put south africa first we are not fighting the zimbabweans to make sure that zimbabwe puts south africa first as a matter of fact that will never ever happen and so let's not even waste our time with that and by the way this and there's a tendency as well in our movement, which is sad, of tendency of thinking that some people, because they don't look at, they don't look like you and me, are foreigners, or because this surname it's maybe it's some a surname that I don't know. Guys, please let's educate ourselves. If you are from Limpopo, there's probably a surname that it's somewhere in Eastern Cape that you have never heard of. So ask somebody else. This surname it's not. I mean, it's uh, it doesn't sound South African to me. Is this person South African? They'll probably tell you, yes, it's South African. We know these people from before you post things on Twitter and throw mud at people. Just let's show, let's educate ourselves. Let's just do a little bit of research. It won't do any harm. The last point is we have learned that in our movement, we think we are in the same movement. There are people who are collaborating with our enemies. And I will be very clear on this because people were asking what was happening. There was, there was a, a Twitter screenshot that was posted by Rutendo, the very same Rutendo that was threatening our, 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 our leader, uh, Gwena. Uh, the, 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 the screenshot indicated that there was probably a, a meeting or discussion between somebody discussing about things that they are not clear about but they are not asking the right people. Somehow, that same person who was asking that, and I'm sure I saw her here on, 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 in our space, but I'm not seeing her anymore. But she was here, I saw her earlier. The very same person took that screenshot and gave it to a Zimbabwean, because there's no way that a Zimbabwean would have received that. The only way that the Zimbabwean received it is that people were discussing this and they were sending it to Zimbabweans. And in this, initially, we thought it was within the leadership of Put South Africa First movement. We were very concerned. So we actually had to sit down, difficult as it sounds, we actually had to inspect the phones and do all the checkings and corroborate the messages to see where it may have come from, only to find that it actually came from the person that I had a discussion with. Because it's clear when you start looking at the screenshot that the screenshot was taken by that person. And that person probably shared with somebody else. So since that person is not in leadership, we are not going to do anything to that person. But we are just saying to those people, be warned. If, you, if your intention is to divide the movement, sorry, we come a long way. You probably have failed. So the best you can do is to join us. Uh, they, they say in, in, in Christianity, they say the best you can do is repent. We don't throw you away. We want, yes, it, you may have sent the screenshot to the Zimbabweans. It was probably a mistake. We all do make mistakes. Please repent and stop doing that and make sure that it doesn't help selling your own South Africans. We are not going to do what our, uh, our South Africans used to do in the past, which was they used to link uh, one of their own. If you go to Avalon, you'll probably see a lot of, of, of graves of people who are called spies. And if you go to Stanton, you'll probably see, you won't even see a, a, a grave of one white person that was killed by black people. 
So we are not going to kill you at all. We are not going to do anything to, to you. We have matured. We have now we now know how to deal with people. Even if you are a spy with us, we are not going to kill you. We are not going to do anything to you. We'll just avoid you. We'll just avoid discussing serious issues with you because we know you may take the issues to the enemy. And remember, you're selling your fellow person, your, your, your fellow South African to a Zimbabwean operative. And this person that we're talking about, you probably know that he's a Zimbabwean operative because he doesn't hide it in his, uh, in his messages. It clearly shows that he's part of the, uh, the Zimbabweans uh, 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 ruling class. So guys, please, let's not do that. We are not going to fight you. We now know who you are. Fine. To us, it's water under the bridge. If it happens again, we will just sit down with you or just text you to say, please stop what you're doing. It does, you're not helping us. You're not helping yourself. It really doesn't do. If there's something that you are so unhappy about this movement, please do yourself a favor. Don't engage with the movement. South Africa is a free country. If you are very, very unhappy about it, just don't do it. And it's safer that way. And nobody will bother you with anything. That's the kind of country that we, we want. And I hope that I've answered some of the questions that people were asking. And I was very hesitant to be engaging people about other than answering some of the few questions that people were asking in our, in our, in our, in our groups. So I hope that is cleared and then we, we can move on. The last one, I attended a space, uh, Hope Space, and I'm very disappointed. Something that we seriously need to find a way to engage our government and say, how is it possible that South African government or States SA hire people who have other motives? You can't be twisting statistics, obviously blatantly so, and you still work, you still continue to work as part of States SA. It doesn't make sense. I can understand a, a, a company or an organization like Africa Check twisting the stats or cooking the numbers. It makes sense because they probably want to, to please their funders. The, the states that were presented in hope space by somebody called Diego, who claimed he was talking about numbers that are ridiculous. Let me give an example. First, a lady said there are probably only 600,000 Zimbabweans in SA. And guess what? She got a lot of cheers. She is a revolutionary. She is this bright young person who's not afraid to speak her mind. And everybody knows she was lying. And then Diego comes and says, oh, now we'll put the number at plus minus 800,000. Hang on, guys. Don't fool us. You can, you, you probably, because of your color, you fooled some people in the past. They agreed with you. Some of us will go and do research and tell you that you are lying. But the worst part is when you are lying and you are working for States SA, it's really not on. Because I went and made sure that maybe the states that um, we were fed, it's not correct. And lo and behold, guess what happened? Funny enough, States SA this week released their numbers. And before we go to States SA numbers, Nigerian, Nigerians, a few years ago, they released a state that said they were, they estimate there are about 800,000 Zimbabwe um, uh, uh, Nigerians in South Africa. Then I'm looking, I'm saying, okay, Naledi claimed there are about 600,000 Zimbab uh, Zimbabweans in SA. Nigeria says there are about 800,000. Surely, I mean, just one brain cell, you can see that if Nigerians themselves are saying 800,000, is that really possible that we have 600,000 Zimbabweans? 
Lo and behold, the state's essay released the states this week. And guess what the states say? They said there's 14.3 million workers in SA. Here's the, the, here's the kick. This it just Labor Department comes on board. They said, yes, there's 5% of foreigners in this country. And they constitute over 7% of labor force. So they are overrepresented. If there's only five and in workplace they are over, so it means they're overrepresented. And not, that, that's not all. They claim, in fact, their stats indicate there is over one million foreigners working in South Africa. That Those are one million foreigners working formally, hence they could be counted by labor department. And we also know, by the way, that if you look at the numbers, they claim in the statistics, they will always tell you that for every one formal job, there's probably between three and five informal. So let's look at the numbers of foreigners. If they're saying one million foreigners are employed, it means in the formal sector, it means there's about four million that is employed in the informal sector. So all in all, it comes to five million. And I'm sure a lot of people are probably smiling, saying, oh, we have heard that number before. Yes, it's true. And if it's 5 million, it goes back to, they claim, Statistic SA, it's not a claim, it's their actual stats. They're saying there's about 7.6 million South Africans who are not working. So now let's do simple maths. Simple maths said, if you take those 5 million economic active foreigners out of it, South African statistics unemployment comes down to about 2.6 million only. So a lot of people say, no, 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 but there's jobs that South Africans can't do and foreigners are doing. Okay, granted. So let's give it a million. So it means if we get rid of foreigners, I'm looking at just statistics only. It means we can overnight, we can reduce our unemployment from 7.6 to about 3 million. And you now come and tell me, tell me, guys, how are you going to twist the stats? It's there. It's in black and white. Unless you want to play this uh, mental gymnastics. But to me, I just find it odd or weird that anybody will want to twist that stats as is. Because to me, it's clear enough. I've said a mouthful. Alunamda, the mic is yours. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you, Mangalani. You've really said a mouthful there. Uh, good uh, evening, Petros. Good uh, evening, leadership, Mr. Mangalani. Uh, yeah, and, and anybody else who is in the space. I hope I'm audible. Uh, like you said, uh, Mr. Mangalani, you really said a mouthful, and it was really an important mouthful because you firstly articulated a lot of uh, uh, important points, uh, and you gave a direction <clears throat> Uh, as leadership should 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 do on on, on plenty of things, uh, particularly uh, with regards to the sympathizers and the dilution of the uh, message of the, of of the whole movement. So I don't want to uh, mess up anything that you've said. You've captured it very well, and for me personally, you've answered uh, basically almost all the questions uh, that I've had, and you've put that to bed. Uh, but a few things that I I my, my two cents uh, that I would highlight is that I agree with you that there's progress. And for me, I think there's progress on all fronts uh, because 
One, as you mentioned, Arumutu Aledi, yeah, the man is moving. You know, the man is really moving. He, 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 he is showing uh, that he's not here to play. Uh, he's coming up each and every week. He's, he, he's surprising me with, with something new. Uh, and I even watched the interview yesterday and, and, and I was sort of blown away. So hopefully uh, it's not just all talk. Uh, it's hopefully there's real action, but it seems like there is uh, because I heard that there's even talks of a new SOE that uh, would be guiding our borders and handling actually the whole border management uh, thing. So I think it's a good idea that it be taken away from the corrupt elements uh, in the uh, SAPS and SANDF. And maybe if, they, uh, maybe if the new broom comes in, it will clean sweep uh, right there at the borders and we will get rid of the corruption. Even though the ANC is still part of it, which is something I'm not particularly happy with, but uh, there's progress nonetheless. There's progress also because, I mean, for the likes of Rotendo to go to such measures of wanting to sabotage uh, the movement, it shows uh, that we are not just a Mickey Mouse as they, as they would like other people to believe. Because no one would go through all that effort uh, and probably spend money to try and destabilize a movement, which is a Mickey Mouse movement or something not of a threat uh, to whatever he stands for. If so, he wouldn't. I don't think he would go that far. In terms of the sympathizers, I I, I agree with you that we should not. We should be careful in chasing away uh, or casting aspersions on. Because we, I think we need all the support that we can get, especially within government, which is where. Uh, our fight is, is is directed at because, as you've mentioned, uh, those are the people that we actually want to negotiate with uh, and not foreigners because I think I mentioned this in one of the groups that our call is really simple. We are saying that we want laws of South Africa, which are existing, to be enforced. And the only entity that has the right or that has the power to enforce laws is the South African government and no one else. So... There is no use for us to negotiate with this this person, and unless if you are not government and you if you cannot do the job that we want, you there's no point in talking to you. We are talking to the government, and that's the only people that we are focused on. So if we've got sympathizers within the government, uh, I think we should be really careful uh, in 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 making those people outcasts and casting aspersions on them. As you've mentioned, that um, I'm sure within government there are debates, and these people probably raise behind closed doors, these issues. And if we are going to turn around and ridicule, ridicule them, uh, those people they are debating with within government will, will go back and say, ah, look, see, these people are now making fun of you, calling you now a, a, a query, query, but you are here uh, fighting, fight, fighting for them. Can you see, this is just a hate group. So we should avoid those things. And the other thing we should remember, I think I would put my neck on the block to say that I'm sure there are many, many uh compatriots here who were of a different position until they joined the space and heard what we stand for until they saw a tweet until they done their own research and started thinking but hey this is actually true so my previous stance was actually incorrect now that i understand more what these people are saying they're actually correct so they turned around so this thing of also digging tweets of long five years ago of what someone said back then compared to... Uh, yeah, we should be careful. People, the whole point of us holding these spaces is as for us to change people. So once they change and they desert whatever stance they had, we should not be bringing up all those things uh, uh, all the time. 
And then, yeah, with regards to the stats, I think, yeah, that's a very, that's a very, very funny one. And I think it's, it's, it's really, uh, we should be careful when these stats are thrown around. Because I'll tell you, I, 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 before I go down, I'll tell you a very, very funny story uh, which happened in America uh, relating to, 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 to stats. Uh, there was, I think, the, the, the America's version of stats essay. They wanted to find out uh, what the hungriest county, so the hungriest county was in the, uh, in the whole entire U.S., so what they did, they thought, okay, how do we go about this? Well, obviously, it's going to take too long, or virtually forever, if we are going to go around on the on the floor or, or maybe on the ground asking each and individual, each and indi- each and every individual, how do you make, uh, do you, how do you go to sleep hungry and all of that? So they thought, okay, let's do this. Let's take the number of people in the whole uh, U.S that are eligible for food stamps. I think food stamps today is their equivalent of SASA, but it's not in the form of money, it's in the form of a sort of a voucher which you can buy food. So if we take the amount of people that are eligible for food stamps, uh, and then we take from those people, people who don't have food stamps, they are eligible for them, but they don't have them, and we subtract them, and then we will find out uh, who is the hungriest people. So. Uh, for example, 100 people in the country are eligible for food stamps. Uh, only 40 of them actually have food stamps. So that means uh, 60% of those people are actually hungry. And that's the messed up methodology they use to try and find out what the hungriest is. The funny thing is that the state that they determined to be the hungriest was actually a farming community, uh, I think somewhere in Texas, which where the, the arrangement the farmers and those employees had, they lived on the farms and everything. They would pay a half of their salary, and then the other half would be in the form of uh, cattle and vegetables and everything. So these people were deemed to be the most hungriest county in the whole of the United States. Meanwhile, these people were going to sleep uh, eating their, their cattle and cabbages, and they were living in a farming community where there was no hunger at all. So. What I'm trying to drive at is that if you look at stats, stats are very important, but sometimes depending on the methodology used to arrive at a certain stat, they can speak a totally different language to what is actually happening on the ground, what is actually happening to real people. So we should be careful when we look at stats and what stats essay is coming up with is exactly the same thing. I was laughing when Diogo uh, was asked, how do they determine uh, who is foreign national or not, or who is illegal? or who is a foreign national or not in South Africa. He, if you go listen to the space of uh, uh, Hopewell, he verbatimly said that they ask people where they were born. Now, you want to tell me that you are going to discredit South Africans' uh, real life experiences based on a stat that you came up with by asking illegal immigrants where they were born. I mean, if... (laughs) If you ask an illegal immigrant where they were born, chances are they will tell you they were born in South Africa. No one will come up and say, no, that I'm illegal here and I was born in, in, in Zimbabwe or I was born in South Zambia. So even the methodology that they use is, is, not, is, not, is not strong enough for them to be credible or to come up uh, with, with credible stats. The other thing, stats essay focuses on certain stats. For example, Diego was asked a question there by Zach Molesani to say, Zach, Zach asked him, Diego, do you have stats with regards to the cases of illegal immigration that hit our courts each and every month or yearly? 
Do you have stats from legal aid with regards to the amount of illegal immigrants that they assist with court cases relating to illegal immigration? And they don't keep or they don't look for those type of stats. They only look for stats which seek uh, to put uh, some people in, in, in a good light. So as I said, stats are very important, but we should be careful because stats can be manipulated and they can be very flawed, as can be seen in the, in, in, in the, in the American uh, example that I gave away. Uh, what they found out was totally opposite to what was actually happening on the ground and with real people. But other than that, uh, thank you, thank you, Mangalani. Uh, I will, I will, I will, I will keep quiet for now. <laughs> but thank you, thank you very much, sir, and thank you for the hard work all the the patriots have been doing. Uh, I, I believe it's, yeah, it's very, it's turned out very, very, very fruitful um, outcomes, and we 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 are moving forward. And 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 all these little distractions is something that we just put to the side. Uh, if we have detractors in the movement, they should be cast aside and we should just move on and focus on the end goal, which is to put South Africans first uh, by following South African law. Thank you. Thank you, Aluna Mda, for that uh, powerful presentation. In line, I'm, I'm sure, I, I, I so hope that someone from States SA is listening because we, I mean, we can now see and we can debunk they are, we can easily debunk their, their, their stats. So I hope someone will pass the message to them. Uh, we have, uh, it was, we were supposed to take El, 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 El Mondovu, but we have uh, Clayson on the line. So it's only proper that we give the mic to Clayson. Um, to, to Clayson. Clayson needs no introduction to the movement. To every South African, really, we should not be introducing him. If you don't know him, well, I, I will take time to to educate you. So let's hear what Clayson has to uh, to tell us, or what he has to share with us today. Or if he's angry with us, he will tell us he's angry, and he will tell us why he's angry, and we will tell him why we are still angry with your government. Clayson, go ahead. The mic is yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, not angry at all. I, I could never be angry with uh, my my fellow South Africans. Um, I think the the beauty of uh, oh, let me greet first. Uh, greetings, uh, Mangalani, and uh, everyone who is in the room. The beauty greetings. of uh, the beauty of being a South African is that um, we we discuss issues. If there are areas where we, we don't find each other, uh, we, we discuss until we find common ground. Uh, it's one of the unique things about being a South African. And that's why I think uh, we've by and large avoided uh, conflict in this country. In fact, South Africa, uh, given our history and moral high ground in terms of resolving differences, we are called upon uh, on the continent of Africa and in other regions of the world where there are political uh, challenges to mediate uh, and help them to find a solution to whatever problems uh, they may be confronted with. Uh, maybe Mama because I was in fact, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to join tonight is that uh, uh, one has been busy dealing with uh, this this uh, unjustified uh, and unwarranted and discriminatory 
travel bans that uh, our country has been subjected to by uh, mostly, you know, Western countries, uh, in particular Europe uh, and the USA, uh, of course, there's been uh, about four African countries that have since followed suit. So that's what has been uh, keeping me busy. But I was alerted to my name being um, associated with this hashtag where apparently uh, my nationality was questioned. And then you are then called uh, um, something else. Um, so, so I thought I must be part of this conversation tonight. Firstly, to do two things, to confirm that the, the concerns that are being shared uh, by uh, South Africans who are concerned that our country is becoming lawless, uh, where people uh, enter this country without uh, proper papers uh, and appear to, to be able to do as they please and ignore the laws of this country, to say that that concern is shared by everyone. Um, I don't think there's any country that can survive uh, if it becomes lawless. In fact, there are examples of countries in the world that have become failed states uh, because nobody respects the laws of that particular country. Um, so, so you need to be assured that even if you don't hear it often, uh, from the leadership of the country or senior people in government. But that concern uh, is shared by everyone. I made uh, this, this illustration, or I gave this example in one of the space discussions that I participated in. And in fact, it was hosted by, by Hopewell. Um, uh, I made this point that, uh, you know, one of the challenges of having people entering a country illegally like South Africa is that if you don't have their um, biometrics, fingerprints on your system, uh, if they commit crime, you can't arrest them because you don't know who they are. You can't find them. Uh, and what that does is that the country then becomes unsafe. The citizens of the country uh, don't feel safe. Uh, and in fact, that's what uh, you know has become a reality in South Africa. Many, in many of our communities, uh, people don't feel safe. That's why the private security industry has become so huge. It's a huge business in South Africa because everybody is investing in security precisely because people don't feel safe. Uh, and that's a direct result of uh, our porous borders. So, so no one is saying that uh, South Africa you know, should close down it, its gates and nobody should enter. But all we are saying, uh, both as citizens and as government, is that people who enter the country must do so legally, you know, so that we know who is here, where they are, and what they are here for. Uh, so that that message, uh, uh, you know, is supported by everyone, and it finds resonance uh, with right-thinking citizens. Uh, there's a saying in English, and I I, I used it even in the, in the other discussion that uh, it said that good fences make good neighbors. The, 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 the idea of a borderless uh, continent, uh, I, I think, um, uh, I don't know whether it's been tried anywhere else in the world, in any region of the world. Uh, I think Europe tried, uh, but as you can see, I, I mean, as you've witnessed, uh, Britain has decided to pull out of that uh, because there's a section of the population in Britain 
that felt that this is not serving them well. Uh, and in fact, they prevailed. They, they, you know, they, they, Britain eventually pulled out of um, uh, the EU. So, so I'm not sure that there's been a, a, successful, a successful example in any part of the world uh, that uh, uh, can prove to us that the idea of a borderless continent or region uh, does work. The, the, the reality is that uh, countries that are you know, doing better than others will eventually shoulder the burden uh, of countries of countries that are less developed on the african continent south africa is that country we are the most developed uh, country uh, in africa in fact we compare well with uh, uh, some developed countries in other regions of the world uh, um, in terms of infrastructure in fact um, uh, in terms of our financial system uh, has been consistently ranked as the best in the world not even number two number one uh, of course, recently we've dropped to number two and number three, but that's that's the that's the the league in which we play. That's the stature of South Africa, the most powerful and dynamic and diverse economy on the African continent. What that does is that it then attracts people who would be coming here, not as asylum seekers, but as economic migrants. Uh, and that's the point I wanted to make that. Uh, uh, we've made an admission as government, and I think uh, Minister Mutualedi has made this point as well, that our asylum-seeking um, uh, program um, uh, has been abused. There are people who came here under the guise of seeking asylum when, in fact, these were economic migrants. So, so there is an admission uh, within government that uh, there, is a, there, there is a lot of things that were not done correctly previously and that's why there's been an introduction of this new border management authority to try and manage our borders uh, better uh, in such a way that uh, we're able to account for people who are in the country um, we have them on our database uh, and we know where they are and what they are up to um, so that's the first thing I wanted to say the second thing in summary because I don't I, I, I mean I, I'm not sure what time uh, one can take or how long one can speak. The second thing I'll say in conclusion is that um, we we would like to see a situation where um, the laws of this country are respected by everyone um, without necessarily saying that Africans are not welcome in South Africa. Uh, in the same way that uh, we wouldn't want another country on the African continent to say South Africans are not welcome. But when South Africans work, study, or live in Nigeria or in Ghana or in any African country, they, they do so uh, legally. They enter the country legally. So that's what South Africans are also expecting. Uh, I mean, South African companies, by the way, are doing a lot of business, both in the Sadek region and in other regions of the of, of, of no, in other regions of the continent. For example, today, you know, yesterday you had a state visit to Nigeria. Uh, MTN, which is one of our uh, leading mobile uh, operate, uh, operators, makes more money out of Nigeria than uh, in South Africa. So their Nigerian business is bigger than their South African operation. So, so it's important that we understand that as a continent of Africa of over a billion people, collectively as a market, as a unified market, uh, we, we, we can go far. Uh, and grow this continent. But all of that uh, intra-African trade that we advocate for has to happen within the context 
of uh, the law. Uh, I mean, in the South, uh, Southern African region, or if you want to say SADC, for example, if you live in Zambia, uh, it's most likely that you buy from uh, uh, ShopRite, you bank with F&B or NetBank, uh, you buy from Builders, uh, you buy from Steers, all of these are South African brands. You know, uh, so it's important that uh, we both promote intra-African trade, but we also advocate for laws of each of the sovereign countries on the continent to be respected uh, so that we don't deal with these things that divide us when we should be talking about how collectively as a continent we can advance and compete with other regions of the world. Uh, because as a market of one billion people, uh, we can go far as a continent, uh, but we we need to to and I mean this is the part where your message uh, and what we stand for uh, converge in terms of agreeing that the laws of South Africa have to be respected. I'll pause there, uh, but I'll stick around and uh, if there are questions that people may want to pose to to me, uh, I'll be glad to to deal with those. Thank you, Chair. Eh, really, wow, I'm shocked. Yeah, how much chance you will let us be? You know, wow, to wow, or no, wow, 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 and I, for one, I'll, I'll speak. I, I really, let me extend this and apologize that uh, it really didn't sit well with some of us as well, because we do realize that uh, exactly what Alunam Da said, it doesn't matter what people have done or what have said in the past. They, they were probably circumstances that uh, made them say what they said. But as long as they agree with our message today, we are more than happy to embrace them and move forward with them. I cannot ask you any question at this point. I will give the mic to Aluna and uh, Elmo and see if they have questions. If they don't have any questions, they will move to the next speakers. Thanks a lot, Mr. Munyan. Uh, good evening, uh, compatriots, uh, especially Mr. Munyela. Um, and Mr. Mangalani for being in the presence of this space, uh, fellow South Africans and guests alike. Um, Mr. Monella was spot on to say the whole issue that we are having with South Africans that uh, we have been respected as a sovereignty country. Um, so one of the questions that I'd like to ask Mr. Manuela, because this has been in the social political space for so long, is the issue that happened in 1994. Uh, we were aware then uh, President Mandela was engaging with then Princess Diana from the British royalty. When they came towards the Mozambique, South African, uh, border post, which at the time there was that uh, Frelimo, um, a, a, a civil war amongst uh, Samoras uh, Samora's people, amongst the, their own people who wanted to fled in, fly into uh, 
who wanted to enter South Africa and the issue of the electric border fence then came up to the then ANC government to say um, it's dehumanizing, um, it wasn't a good measure. So when, because we have our fellow civil servants, some who are in the military and who are in the government themselves, uh, the issue was said that then chief whip of the ANC, Tony Yengini, was the one who was uh, tasked with the commissioning of that electric border fence. Because if you look at how um, the boundaries between us, Zimbabwe, uh, Botswana, uh, Namibia, where we were made, um, it was with that specific intent in saying that um, they were supposed to contain and effectively control our border post. And this was one of the questions that I put in one of your spaces, uh, Mr. Munela. So this is what I want to know in saying that. I know that uh, this week there was a, a release regarding then uh, Minister of Public Works, the good president, Patricia Delil. We know about that ongoing scandal since the uh, uh, national elections that there was corruption and that company has been banned from uh, the government, uh, state entities from dealing with government anymore. What I'd like to know is why um, the electric border fence, because there's a report, if you go on the internet, that says this was the issue that was resting with Mr. Jeff Khatebe, uh, to say that it's their mandate then as the Minister of uh, Justice to are supposed to uh, give the permission for the Department of Public Works to reinstate their better control. Because part of the issues that we were raising as South Africans was the smuggling of people through the Code 14 trucks that are carrying our minerals as well as freight which is part of what our president uh, Ramaphosa wanted the Stargate region to say it should be a borderless, meaning that visas, when it comes to trade, the uh, 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 tax exemption should ap uh, apply when it comes to those uh, trucks coming in. And our concern is that even the illegal mining that we are having amongst our country, the same minerals are passing through because we don't have those effective x-rays and scans that are, are supposed to be implemented in our border control, especially, especially in Messina, in Limpompo, where you come from. So that's the question that I'd like to ask uh, you, Mr. Munyela, to say why in these 27 years that border was compromised in the sense that it has and the illicit uh, uh, serious crimes that we, we have just mentioned are still perpetuating, which uh, the, 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 our government has lost respect from us as uh, South Africans. Uh, with your permission, Chair, let me let me attempt to to respond to that. Um, look, the first thing to say is that we are hoping uh, this new border management authority uh, that is now in place. In fact, the commissioners have been appointed will will prioritize uh, this issue that uh, you are raising because the reality is that um, when uh, hijackings happen in south africa uh, it's known um, uh, within the security agencies 
uh, and anybody that uh, bothered uh, to pay attention that within hours, uh, the likelihood is that uh, that vehicle would have crossed the border already. Um, in fact, many of them have been, uh, you know, found uh, in, in, in some of the neighboring countries that don't necessarily have to name the countries. Uh, I'm sure everybody is aware. And that's a, that's a, a, an indication of just how big the problem is, uh, the fact that we really don't have borders at all. Um, now, those who argue that um, the advantage of not having fences is that you then have free movement of people, which is good for intra-African trade and people-to-people and, and -people contact and relations. What they are missing is that, in fact, even with uh, good borders, uh, free movement of people uh, is already there. There are existing protocols uh, within the SADC region uh, that allow free movement of people. For example, many of the countries uh, within SADC don't require a visa uh, if you are in the region already. So you can, for example, now, tomorrow, just pick up your passport and go. Uh, you know, cross the border into uh, Eswatini legally through the border gate. Uh, you don't require a visa. Now that is uh, an attempt uh, by the leadership of the region to ensure free movement of people. Uh, so it shouldn't be that free movement of people means uh, you must then uh, do illegal things by crossing a river and not announcing that you are now in a different country because that then allows uh, a lot of illegality to, to happen. Uh, so the argument that, uh, you know, uh, the current arrangement allows free movement of people is, is, is false uh, and misinformed and misguided. Um, free movement of people can still happen within the bounds of the law. Um, secondly, to say that, uh, uh, I think I agree, uh, um, if, if this government is not going to prioritize this matter uh, and attend to it, uh, the likelihood is that uh, you will find that uh, the citizens are going to at some point reach a point where they draw a line and say, here and no further. So, so you have to, to, to do everything possible to avoid that. Uh, and some of these matters have been brought to the attention of the leadership and, and hence the new border management authority. It's an issue that's receiving priority. Uh, uh, all of you were saying, in Peng Mangalain was saying this, that uh, uh, you seem to have a very active minister in uh, Minister Motualedi who has taken it upon himself uh, to, 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 to be actively involved um, he's personally providing leadership on this matter because I think he realizes uh, the magnitude of the problem. Uh, as a South African, he's got his own lived experiences. I mean, I, I remember I was in one meeting where the discussion was around, how did we wake up one morning and find ourselves um, in a country where in the rural areas and in the townships, there's hardly any sponsor shop that is owned by South Africans. Uh, and what, uh, what, what, I mean, it's, it's inexplicable uh, <laughs> how people just arrive and within a week they've set up shops uh, at every corner of our villages. Um, and some of these people are heavily armed, um, you know, so, so I, I don't think you can run a country like this. Uh, so that's why you've got uh, ministers who are now personally 
um, giving themselves time to deal with this matter and hopefully reverse uh, some of these tendencies that have now taken root uh, in our villages and in our townships. I mean, I don't even want to talk about what's happening in our cities. Uh, I mean, I was saying the other day that there are places or areas in some of our cities where, as a South African, if you go there, uh, you kind of have to wonder, am I still in South Africa here? Uh, it's well and good if these people were are here illegally, rather legally. But if they are here illegally, then you have to wonder, uh, is this sustainable in the long run? So the long um, answer to, to your question is, is that, that uh, these matters are now receiving priority attention and hopefully uh, in the not so distant future, we will no longer be talking about uh, a problem that has not been addressed. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Mr. Munyala. I think uh, what you've just said today, uh, it is for the first time, and I, I will confess, it's for the first time that I had a government official saying it the way he's saying, and saying, not only just saying, and saying, we are going to work on it. We are going to make sure that we address it. Uh, to me, that says uh, it looks like we are heading in the right direction. And I so hope that you don't get redeployed because the last time someone came close to what you've just said, that person was redeployed and we hope uh, that doesn't happen at all because we really want to see it happen now. We don't want to see it happen in 30 years or in five years' time. The unemployment is a ticking bomb and every South African knows that. And it's about time that those in positions of authority or power act on that. Because remember, if there's unrest, we are, as South Africans, we are most likely going to lose the most. And we don't want that. We have seen what happened in the past. It doesn't look good. Be that as it may, I just have two questions that someone sent me a DM, said I must ask on their behalf. They don't want to come on. They don't want to be added as speaker just to ask this question. The, um, the first question asked was, uh, what role can the government, uh, can uh, citizens play to assist the government uh, or SADAF in, the, in, in, in curbing the illegal uh, crossing? That was the first question. What is it that we as citizens, because we don't want to be singing and stand on the side and not assist, what is this that you see us as citizens assisting. The second question that was asked was, seeing that this is a burning issue on unemployment, will the government consider a moratorium on all illegal, uh, uh, illegal uh, foreigners just to make sure that we ease uh, the burden, especially to the so-called, you clearly pointed it well, the economic migrants. Is there anything that the government uh, plans to do to remedy the situation right away? We have already seen some of the videos circulating, citizens taking laws into their own hands, removing the so-called illegal immigrants. Is there anything that the government can do, moratorium or otherwise, on economic migrants? Munyela, I'll give it to you, Mr. Munyela. 
No, thank you very much uh, for, for those two questions. L- let me just say that uh, I think whatever happens, South Africans must always be cautioned uh, against the uh, violence. Uh, I think we must always be humane. Uh, we must uh, uh, always remember the, 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 the philosophy of Ubuntu. You know, what, uh, whatever we do, we must remember, particularly when we're dealing with uh, fellow Africans, uh, of course, the issue of illegal immigrants is not limited to Africans. There are people from other regions of the world uh, who are also in our country legally. Uh, so it, it, it should never be uh, just about Africans. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the opinion pieces I, I, I wrote previously, I raised this matter of... Uh, so so, so there, there are three categories of countries that are affected by the, this phenomena of uh, international migration. There are countries where most of uh, these migrants come from. Um, And the question has to be asked, what is driving people away from these countries? So the governments of these countries have a responsibility to answer that question and reflect what do we need to change so that our people don't leave home uh, in search of uh, opportunities and other things elsewhere. The second category is what we call, uh, so so the first category would be sending countries. That's where these people come from. The second category would be uh, transit countries. So it's countries where these migrants pass through without uh, staying there. So they have no intention of staying in this particular country. They're just passing through. But that country is happy to allow the passage uh, to be used as a passage through which, you know, these people travel. Uh, and then, of course, they are then on their way to what we would call receiving countries, a country like South Africa that then has to shoulder the burden of accommodating all these people who are looking for better economic opportunities. Uh, and it's a huge burden. So, so we have to ask, what do the first and second category of countries, uh, you know, um, what is their responsibility? Shouldn't they be assisting a country like South Africa? For example, in South Africa, we provide free medical uh, care uh, in, in public uh, hospitals and clinics. So if you are in South Africa, whether you are a South African or not, you can walk into a, a clinic or a public hospital um, and, and get medical attention. Now, if you are from, let's say, a country like, uh, I'll, I'll use uh, Eswatini um, because I've got relatives there, uh, shouldn't that country then uh, make a contribution to South Africa uh, to assist in terms of uh, looking after the citizens of uh, the kingdom who are here? As an example, um, now, you asked the question about whether shouldn't we be considering a moratorium. I don't know what shape that moratorium would take, because remember, if you're talking about illegal immigrants, how do you stop them um, uh, outside uh, ensuring that you know, there's proper b- border management? Um, uh, but if they find themselves here, uh, placing a moratorium, I'm not sure uh, what format that will take and uh, how do you enforce that? Um, the reality, however, is that uh, it, government has to do something um, uh, without necessarily being cruel, uh, just enforcing the laws uh, of this country. Um, those who can regularize uh, their presence in the country, uh, for example, demonstrate that they are really running away from something horrible in their countries, they are seeking asylum and all of that. There are laws in place 
to take care of those. And then they have to comply uh, with what the law provides for. Um, but those who are here illegally with intentions of doing wrong things, uh, government has absolutely no choice but to utilize the existing laws to deal with those. Um, otherwise, uh, then uh, a country that is a free for all is, is not sustainable in the long run. Uh, it becomes a failed state. Um, look, I mean, the, the, the other issue that uh, I know has been raised in the past is um, um, what, what, uh, <laughs> what do you do when, um, and I'm sure people know this, uh, there is a Lindela, I think it's called Lindela Camp uh, in, in, in near Krugersdorp. Uh, where people who you know have been arrested for not having proper papers are kept, and then you know they are deported back to their countries. Uh, I, I'm not sure whether it's still happening frequently because there's been a realization that you know uh, towards the end of the year. In fact, uh, I mean I saw a couple of stories on this that there was a tendency for people to hand themselves over to be arrested, <laughs> and then they are deported back home. In fact. It, you know, it's almost like you're helping them to go home for Christmas. But in the new year, then some people, you know, uh, find themselves back here. So, so it's, it's, it's a matter that requires, uh, you know, immediate attention. Uh, and I want to end by saying this is why we've always, um, uh, as a South Africa, maintained that we need to help countries, uh, particularly neighboring countries, to be stable. So this is why you see South Africa taking a keen interest uh, in the affairs of countries in the region. When they've got political problems, uh, we are the first ones to raise a hand to say, let's help you to resolve this. Uh, the reason why we do that is that a complete meltdown in any of the neighboring countries is not good for South Africa because we feel the pinch the impact, we are directly affected and it becomes immediate because if any country, you know, uh, doesn't do well and, you know, uh, South Africa is always a place where they come to, you know, looking for a better life, for security, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it's in our interest for Mozambique to do well, to be stable, to be peaceful so that uh, that economy is able to create jobs uh, the people of Mozambique are able to stay at home and work there and contribute to the growth of the Sadek region. It's in our interest that, that Zimbabwe is stable, the economy recovers and does well, so that it's able to keep the citizens of that country at home. In fact, I think they also want to be at home because uh, it can't be nice to live in a foreign country far away from your relatives. Uh, but the reality is that if you wake up every day and there's no food, you go to the shop, you can't afford, I suppose that's one of the motivations why people then have to, you know, do the things that they do. Uh, so it's in our interest to help uh, all the neighboring countries to do well, uh, because the future of South Africa, uh, whether you like it or not, is linked to that of the countries in the region and broadly in the continent. So South Africa will continue to play this role. Um, uh, you may recall that uh, in the year you saw South Africa making a substantial donation of food aid uh, to Zimbabwe in particular. I'm using that as an example. Uh, and the rationale there is if you don't feed 
the people who are still living in Mozambique. The risk is then they are scattered all over the, the region. We've had Botswana raising issues about this. Mozambique has also raised concerns about the burden they are carrying and other countries. So, so it's a big problem. It's a big challenge. It requires the leadership of the region um, to, 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 to work collectively uh, to ensure that no country uh, is left behind because the idea that you can be a country like South Africa and be well and peaceful and advance and grow the economy uh, surrounded by a sea of poverty and underdevelopment, you will find that hungry people will find a way to come and uh, disturb uh, your dinner table because they too are hungry. So, so whilst uh, we, we, we address uh, the challenges uh, of our own country and ensure that our citizens are taken care of, it's important that we pay attention to what is happening in the region. Uh, but just to, to the last point to say that uh, there's absolutely uh, no doubt. I mean, uh, being exposed to what I'm exposed to, the concerns around about from South Africans rather uh, about uh, you know whether the laws of this country are being respected or not um, has reached the right ears of the leadership. And uh, I just wanted to to assure everybody in the room in this meeting that um, what you've been saying has been heard. And uh, the, 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 the government is paying attention to this and, and there are moves now uh, to address these matters. Thanks, Chair. Uh, thank you. So what we are going to do, uh, Alu, you will go next. I think what we need to do is let's ask questions and, uh, and then ask uh, Mr. Munyela to ans answer those questions. Mr. Munyala, how many questions would you be happy to receive before you give an answer? No, I'm able to. I still have a sharp mind. <laughs> Got gray okay. hair, but <laughs> four or five okay. questions. I can no, it's fine. Uh, Alu, you will go, and then uh, Elmo will do a follow-up, and then we'll have Dallas asking questions, and then we'll give chance to Mr. Munyala to answer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mangalani. Uh, and thank you for Mr. Moniela for availing himself and actually engaging with us uh, sincerely on, on this topic. My question is, is, is really a simple one. Uh, the, I think South Africa, if I'm not mistaken, is the last or the second last country in Africa to, 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 to be liberated uh, or, or to, or, or to uh, receive freedom. I know many may argue whether we receive real freedom or not, but political freedom we received and we were one of the last countries to do so. And there is this thing of uh, people who make this argument to say that uh, South Africa actually needs to accept uh, maybe these illegal immigrants and be accommodating to all of this uh, unlawless un un lawlessness because we were helped uh, by, by, by other countries during our liberation struggle and they named them and uh, MK people were housed there. And the... Now, I asked this question just to, just I'm trying to understand uh, because as you have illustrated uh, and, and, and Elmo also with regards to the border situation, ANC has actually basically done nothing. They failed because the ANC government has a constitutional obligation, right? Uh, it says the primary, uh, 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 their primary of actually the defense force is to defend and protect the republic and its territorial integrity. Right, the ANC has done nothing 
to protect the republic and its inter- and its territorial integrity when it comes to the issue of illegal immigration and uh, people just crossing the borders. Uh, so you find yourself grappling with this, but why would these guys not not worry about this 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 big issue? And you have Mr. Mutualedi saying that, with regards to the Zim permits, that eight thousand of those people that were given Zim permits were actually in possession of illegal, fraudulent South African IDs, right? So they were fraudsters. They obtained fraudulent IDs via uh, criminal ways, and they were called in by the government to say, look here, give us your fraudulent IDs. We will give you amnesty, and then we'll give you uh, special permits, all 8,000 of you, even though you have committed a crime by being illegal and then committed another crime by committing fraud. So you ask yourself, what kind of government bends all the way like this uh, uh, and jeopardizes uh, its citizens and the safety of its citizens like this? Does the ANC government feel indebted uh, to these uh, African countries because of this argument that they were assisted? Could that be the reason why they have left us uh, to fend for ourselves uh, and have actually allowed this situation and ex- actually done nothing uh, uh, to prevent uh, this situation from playing out? I'm just trying to understand why would they, why, why they would do uh, something like this. Do they really feel indebted uh, about this apartheid argument? Yeah. Let, let me deal with that uh, before I, I, I lose uh, the, the points that I wanted to make because, in fact, uh, I forgot to answer this question earlier on um, about what South Africans can do in their individual uh, capacities to assist government to, to manage this matter. Um, you know, last year, I think it was around uh, October, November, somewhere there, a journalist friend of mine sends me um, a passport of uh, a national uh, from Pakistan um, who had gone home uh, and for some reason he was struggling uh, to secure a visa to come back to South Africa. Um, And then he also then sends copies of a passport of uh, somebody he claims is uh, his South African wife uh, that he claims, you know, to have gotten married to and there's a copy of a marriage certificate. Now, this 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 guy, um, this national of Pakistan who was at home, by the way, at that time, is uh, 38 years of age. This South African lady that he claims uh, he was married to is 86 I kid you not, This I still have the copies of those passports. So somehow these documents landed up in uh, my friend's inbox as a journalist. Uh, so he sends these things to me. He says, Nchana, can you guys, man, attend to this thing? There's clearly uh, something not right here. There's no way an 86-year-old is still uh, getting married to, I mean, um, for firstly, uh, this, this is an African woman in a village in Pumalanga. Uh, how did she even meet this guy? He's 38. Uh, there's no way he can tell us that he fell in love with his um, grandmother um, and he intends to build a family with her. There's clearly something going on here. Uh, this is just um, a scam to, to secure uh, permanent residency in South Africa. Um, so I'm raising that example 
uh, as, as one area where I think uh, South Africans can probably play a role in assisting government uh, to deal with this thing. If, if, if we, all of us, uh, can be vigilant uh, where we can see that the laws of our country are broken, uh, alert um, um, law enforcement agencies report these things, uh, bring them to the attention of relevant departments in government that are meant to, to, to deal with these things. I think you'll find that uh, will go a long way in ensuring that the laws of South Africa are respected and the sovereignty of uh, this country uh, is maintained. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, I'm used, I've used one example, but I can tell you uh, many others that have come to our attention, uh, not involving necessarily older women, but even younger women. Um, so that's the one area. Second issue raised is around whether you feel that uh, the ruling party feels indebted to African countries in particular that helped us uh, during the days of the struggle against apartheid uh, when they accommodated our liberation um, uh, heroes and uh, heroines, um, whether it's from the ANC, the PAC and APLA. So here's the difference in terms of policies that these countries adopted as opposed to the policy that we adopted. They had policies of encamping people that were in their countries. Uh, so in Zambia, for example, uh, all the uh, liberation fighters who were there accommodated uh, by Zambia under the uh, presidency of uh, um, Kenneth Gaunda. They were in camps, uh, and for you to leave that camp and to visit, uh, you know, neighboring town, uh, going to the villages, uh, or even into town, you needed permission. Uh, you couldn't just uh, you know, leave the camp and, uh, and go and see your girlfriend or friend or whatever uh, without uh, permission. So your movement was accounted for. Uh, the same thing applied in, in other countries, in Tanzania, the same thing. If you go to Morogoro, that was a camp. Uh, that's why you still have a school there uh, that um, uh, South Africans who were there accommodated by the, the that country, um, you know, went to school. So th that was the policy choice they made. In the case of South Africa, however, uh, the, the government chose a different policy, um, uh, which is of integration. Uh, so people who come here um, uh, are not uh, put in camps, they are integrated into society. Uh, of course, that has, uh, as history has shown now, uh, introduced uh, other challenges. Uh, and that's why we're having this discussion tonight. Uh, so the question has to be asked, was this a good policy decision? Uh, should it be reviewed? Should it be revisited? Um, I guess that's a question that uh, the leadership of the country has to reflect on. Uh, so whether we owe this country's uh, gratitude and we should be grateful and thank them, of course we should. Uh, and I think we have done that um, on numerous occasions from the presidency of the father of our nation, Nelson Mandela, to Tabombeki, to Jacob Zuma, to the current president. All our leaders have had an occasion uh, to pay uh, state visits to all the countries that helped us, uh, that accommodated our leaders. We've had an occasion to thank them. Uh, and in fact, uh, with South Africa now, 
um, uh, being governed by the current uh, ruling party, we've actually not just thanked these countries, we've um, helped them on many occasions. And I mean, I can tell you uh, the number of projects that we've done, which are meant to to help these countries. Uh, those of you who, who may not have, who may not be aware, the, the department that I work for runs a fund called the African Renaissance Fund. That fund exists solely um, to fund projects on the African continent uh, in friendly countries uh, that may or may not be struggling. Uh, and those projects are meant to help uh, the citizens of their countries uh, and assist those, uh, those governments, um, you know, to, 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 to work well with their citizens. That's just one way in which we've helped many of these countries uh, that accommodated us. So yes, we do uh, owe them, uh, but I think uh, by now all of them would say that, no, 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 South Africa has done its part in thanking working with us and helping us in turn. Uh, I, I hope I've answered your question. Uh, th thank you, Mr. Munyela. Uh, Elmo, and I think you've, uh, you've answered it well. And I think what today, what you're actually doing, I, I like today's space because you are not trying to close over issues and concerns you are tackling them head on and i think this is it's accountability like this that we as south africans really appreciate and i can't thank you uh more than what i can but let me just give other a chance to ask questions and then we'll take it from there it's elmo and then dallas and then raymond in that order ah when you don't have to ask you can always come in no, uh, let me just uh, no, be on the let, waiting list. Let me not rule over other people, please. Elmo, uh, Dallas, Raymond, and then Gwena. In that order, go ahead, guys. Uh, thank you, uh, host. Um, Mr. Manuela just forgot this issue because I was going to follow up on the question that was DM'd to you regarding the monitorium. Because he said he wanted also to say, what is it that we South African citizens can do uh, regarding this issue of illegal immigration? Just to uh, guide Mr. Munyela, um, I'm a health professional, a civil servant trained by the state. Um, we've had spaces about this issue. Uh, immigration Act says we provide basic uh, health services meaning if a foreign national can go to one of our clinics, they have flu-like symptoms, we give them erythromycin, give them iliadin, give them allergic, uh, and then if they don't become better, then uh, we review them within a week. But when it comes to this issue where we were saying there's abuse of services of foreign nationals giving birth illegally, which was later tried to be corrected by Home Affairs to say um, there are people who are wanting a, a citizenship through that because they came through uh, uh, the boats, they came through the rivers, they came through the code 14 tracks and the containers to give birth so they can get our 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 first right as citizens. Those issues, there was political interference in them. I remember in 2017 when we went to meet Dr. Carter, who was the then National Department of Health Director of Hospitals, 
We told them to so there's political interference. In Region F, a uh, uh, city of Johannesburg, where I was working one of the clinics, my own then regional health manager told us to say, we cannot be acting as immigration officers. And this is the issue where we took our stance as South Africans to say, no, we are enough of illegal foreigners coming here, abusing our health services because uh, labor giving birth in cesarean sections, those are not basic health services. Those are services that are budgeted for. And if a foreign uh, uh, needs those intermediate and, and, and advanced health services, they were fees that were there. Like for example, Shadok Matlaka Hospital, they used to, 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 to require something like 16,000 rands before you can have a, a cesarean section. Then MEC of Health, Tetani Matlang, used to fight as health professionals regarding that issue to say, we cannot have illegal foreigners. And this is where South African Human Rights Commission came and overtook that issue when nurses in Coronationville, which is there in uh, Westbury, between Coronationville and Westbury in Johannesburg, where nurses were doing when Minister Toilet was trying to get this issue of Ebola outbreak that we had in, in, in Liberia. And he implemented that with our borders be closed and there was screening that was supposed to be done by Port, Port Health, which was successful. But the issue that we were saying to say, we cannot have so many illegal foreigners. We are victimized by that. So this is the issue where the South Africans are asking, like e Operation Tutula. What Operation Tutula is doing is that some of them are civil servants, just that we cannot mention where, which category they fall under, but there are protocols that guide them to say what they are doing is legitimate. They go to these uh, 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 um, companies, employers, who are employing illegal foreigners. As we are saying that customs is another uh, 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 um, uh, uh, state entity that is playing surveillance when people are entering our borders. You declare uh, not more than 10,000 rand, if there's 10,000 goods, each and every person who passes our borders legitimately, they are recorded by SARS. So this is another second uh, 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 measure that the state is implementing to find out how many foreign nationals we are having in the country. So by doing so, this is what uh, uh, the, the Department of uh, Labor, Department of Labor has failed us, Mr. Monella. It was first Shepard Mzadlane, who had two terms. Now it's Tulas Nnaisi, who unashamedly was a shop steward of Satu. Those people are failing us dismally because whenever they are South Africans who are reporting to his department that there are illegal foreigners there, they should be going to send the inspectors, labor inspectors, to, to, to comply, to, to, to determine compliance and sanction those companies to pay a fee or even arrest the manager or the HR director that has employed those illegal uh, 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 foreigners who are working with those departments. This is what South Africans are asking a moratorium to say, because we know there's corruption in South African police service. They pay 50 rand or 100 rand or whatever money to be released in custody at the police cells. The the immigration is nowhere to be seen. It's nowhere to be seen immigration, even at the public service points, the hospitals, the clinics, uh, 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 the police service itself, where these illegal foreigners are committing their crimes. 
This is what South Africans are asking to say, because we know there are also issues of frozen posts in the public sector. To say you are not recruiting as native South Africans who could have assisted you with being immigration officers, being a, 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 a other professions in, to, to guide you. Why don't you give us a moratorium to say we can be uh, unpaid, uh, you know, like AMA reservers, the police reservers which we used to have in, in SAP, which we know it was a, a flopped issue. South Africans now want to take their mandate into their own hand to say, I am volunteering to say I will assist the police, the home affairs, I will assist the Department of Justice, I will assist the Department of Labor in being proactive and reporting these illegal foreigners that are within my community where I stay, where they are within the company where I work, where they are within the state entities where we know that there are illegal foreigners, foreign nationals who shouldn't be even having positions of power being a director, being a statistic director, being a member of parliament. We know about the Chinese national whose issue, which is similar to what we are talking about regarding uh, uh, the lady in Limpombo said they are married to a 86-year-old lady. We know about that uh, 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 MP, the Chinese MP, whose issue is now being investigated to say isn't there a treason. So this is what the South Africans, Mr. Munyela, like myself, are asking to say. We want to volunteer rather than to take to have another 10 years to try and find out these so said 15 million undocumented citizens in the country. We want to faster the process to say we want to be volunteers, whether it's through CPF in our police clusters or be it in a Department of Home Affairs themselves in their immigration department. This is the moratorium we are asking of the government to say we want to be our own proactive citizens in reporting and playing a surveillance role in reporting and uh, having citizen arrest of these illegal uh, foreigners. If you can please uh, address this issue, Mr. Munel. Am I next? Uh, yes, Dallas, you are next. Uh, okay. Mr. Dallas, if you can just keep it short and sweet, because we plan to close our space at uh, 10. We are not uh, accepting new speakers unless we know okay. that you have been asking us. And I'm not referring to you. I'm talking about these, the ones who are on the queue. Uh, I'm sorry, okay. guys. We may accept two or three, but those who are already accepted as speakers will get a chance to speak. So, uh, How many minutes have I got? Uh, you don't have to Two, give us three. A <laughs> no, it's not a speech. Just give me. I've got three questions. Three quick yeah, questions. Mister Mr. Maloka, shoot. Go for your questions. We are not limiting you. We're just saying, make it short and sweet, man. Okay, let me try and be quick. I've got a questions here for Mister Munela. And I or chance you have time for us. You know, not many people people ignore us. So thanks for that. And then lastly, I'll ask, I'd like to ask if I can inbox you for more stories of mine, because I've got lots of stories. But for now, let me just ask these three questions. Uh, the question of Nigerians. I don't believe, Hori, the intelligence of South Africa doesn't know, Hori. Nigerians open tire shops, internet cafes, and clubs. Still, I don't believe they register them, because it's supposed to pay $5 million to register a business in South Africa. They open those businesses 
and those businesses don't have movement. How not business? How not next? But now you'll see those businesses, those guys driving, driving big cars. Those businesses are just fronts to run the drug dens and all those things. I don't think I'm the I'm, I'm a layman. I don't even have intelligence, anything. I ain't got check out with you, but I can see this is what's happening. My McKellone here has opened a business here, a spare shop for, for running space, for selling space. You hardly see a person there in a day. There's not even people by. I even wanted to sell him my space from a car accident in college, space thing. He didn't even take them because there was no business. But that guy recently bought an A5 latest 2021 2020 model how come can't you guys see that until is just a front to launder money that's my first question and then what we see we can't report it i can't report it here because the same police that you're supposed to go to report to you see them on sunday afternoon going to those guys parking there out and giving them a few coins not even a few coins a few notes like every other time you see a policeman going there to collect money, how do you report those people to the same cops that have been paid by those guys? Intelligence would know about this. And then my second question, yeah, unemployment. Since well, let's talk about so much unemployment. What are you guys doing about uh, these restaurants, Buspe, that are employing? exclusively foreigners. If you're South African, they just hear you by the accent. Whether you're qualified or not, if your accent says South African, you know you're not wanted in those shops. If I'm I'm sure the ministers and all the their TGs and all those they go to these places. Well like can you what's the other one? Caesars, Emperors, even Carnival. You go there to the food court. There's no South African. Don't you guys get served by those people? What do you see when you see her? There's no South African kids, South African youngsters, don't you guys get worried? What are you doing to those businesses? Spare exclusively. Spares doesn't hire South Africans. It only hires foreigners. Spare some more more lakeside. It doesn't employ people. It doesn't pay people on uh, basic they pay them only on tips. That's what some of them told me. I, I don't even know if that's true, but it might be true because that's what they do. So, Tulas Nesi, I know, but he's messed us up on that one. And my last question here is this How does a madman cross a border to South Africa? Mutago Zimbabwe, Akula, across a border to Lalagab. Does it make sense? And if you can see how those arrogant those people are, those people don't like the other day. I think on last week, Pulane and I was from some place there. I walked past the after the the does introduce that there's no Zimbabwean passports. I got to be renewed those that SPs. This guy just went on on me like he went off on me. Only to have come share. He's mad and he's like, it's a crazy person. How do you allow someone? How did you even sign the papers? And the beggars, the ones on the robots. I used to work for SAA 
we had concessions and we were told that you can't go to the UK to go and stand on the road. Even if it's for a few minutes to go and collect a few pounds, come back with a change to a city dollar and make be yourself make yourself rich. Here in South Africa, those people leave their countries, come and back in our robots, in our street lights and in our intersections. Why is the government letting that thing go on? It doesn't make sense. And it shows that maybe there's something that they're getting. That's why I dwell on to you. And then, sorry, on that uh, Nigerian issue, those people who come in here, most Nigerians come to South Africa on a student visa. And then from there, they disappear off the radar. Then they come up, they come up, they come up, clubs, bars, and those tire shops and internet cafes. What is the government doing about it, Mr. Clayton Munel? Government is talking about Nigeria and Malaysia. And the ZSPs, because from 250,000 to 170-something thousand, what happened to the others? What are you doing about those? Because those people are probably using fraudulent IDs that they got by 86 years. No, man, that can be, that can go on. Thank you, uh, Mr. Maloka. I can sense you're, you are really holding your tears and sadness and anger at the same time. Mr. Munyala will give him a chance to answer that. Let's first get a question from uh, uh, Raymond. Raymond, the floor is yours. Thank you. Good evening, Malani, and to everyone in the space. Just two quick questions. Two quick questions that I've got. Uh, one, why did it take so long for the Border Management Authority to be put together? I mean, surely, in hindsight, if we had government with the interest of South Africa and South Africans and its borders to secure its borders, surely this is something that should have been foreseen because the current challenges that we're facing now showing our porous borders, surely this is something that, that could have been averted and now we are facing that challenge. That's my first question. Second question, and the last one, is on the issue of people coming in illegally. Granted, some of them call themselves refugees, asylum seekers. Mostly they are economic migrants. But now the question I've got is, if they do come in, they come in illegally, why don't they then legalize their stay? How can a person stay in a country for 10, 15 years, 20 years, without legalizing their state, surely, surely that says something is, is truly, truly wrong with our immigration system. Uh, thank you. Uh, uh, thank you, Raymond. Uh, Mr. Munyala, you can answer these questions, and then after all, we will take last two or three uh, questions, and then we'll wrap up uh, our question and answer session. Mr. Munyala, the floor is yours. Thank you very much um, for for all the questions. Um, I mean, I, I I can I can see uh, and tell that there is a lot of frustration um, about these matters, and rightly so. Um, um, you asked the question, why did it take this long for the border management authority to be put in place? Uh, I agree. I, I I don't think it should have um, uh, taken this long. It shouldn't. Um, but at least there's movement. It's now in place with independent commissioners um, who have been appointed. Some of them um, 
experienced uh, lawmakers um, and jurists uh, who have served this country previously. Um, and I know that these are patriotic South Africans who would like to see the laws of this country upheld and respected and adhered to. Um, so, so we are all hoping that uh, uh, this border management authority will, uh, um, you know, put things right and and, and have uh, this challenge of porous borders uh, brought under control. Um, there is a long list of uh, examples that uh, have been pointed out here uh, that that um, show the magnitude of this challenge. Um, I mean, I can tell you from, from, from experience that uh, you complain about uh, people coming here on student visas. Um, there was also an abuse of tourist visas, by the way, um, from one particular country, and you mentioned the name of that country. Um, on a daily basis, there is a snaking queue outside uh, our consul uh, general's office or consulate uh, in Lagos, um, our high commission in Abuja, um, uh, people applying for tourist visas and, and, and a whole lot of other things. Uh, and the reason why I'm pointing out the long queues um, is that the, the system has now uh, been uh, strengthened in such a way that um, it's not easy. To, to, to get these visas anymore. Uh, in fact, on a daily basis, almost on a daily basis, Home Affairs will tell you they get many calls um, of, of complaints about how it's taking long for the South African Embassy or High Commission and our consulate to process these applications. We even get calls from uh, some politicians trying to put pressure on us uh, as officials, by the way, to process some of these applications. And this is not limited to politicians from one political party. Uh, it's right across the board. Um, you know, so, so the, the system is being strengthened. Uh, the loopholes that existed two, three, four, five years ago uh, have been largely closed. Uh, it's no longer as easy. Um, you will have to, to meet a very stringent set of criteria for you to access uh, travel documents to come to South Africa. Um, some of you may recall that there was an attempt at the African Union uh, to introduce um, a passport uh, that will allow uh, carriers of that passport to travel right across the continent um, with uh, no visa requirements uh, as an attempt to, um, to make it easier for the movement of Africans across the continent. One of the reasons why there has not been much movement on that proposal um, is that questions around security uh, and vetting have been raised by countries to say, given that it's, it's been proven um, that um, you know, people just move from one corner of a region of the world and come to the continent, some of them with ill intentions, if we allow this, um, how do you then address this uh, challenge of people selling travel documents? Uh, and it's, an, it's not a challenge limited to South Africa, it's right across the continent. And dare I say, um, other countries uh, in other regions of the world are also fa facing similar challenges. So if you now provide a travel document that 
gives you so much uh, freedom of movement. Uh, aren't we opening ourselves up to, to all sorts of risks? So mentioning that to say all the examples that you've listed, um, the authorities um, are aware of that. And, and I'll encourage you, by the way, because you seem to have um, evidence of certain activities um, that would require law enforcement agencies to follow up on. Please do share that information with me um, via my inbox. Um, and I think Mangalani and Gwena should have my mobile number as well. So, so you could access that from them. In fact, my cell phone is not, is not secret. If you Google my name, <laughs> my cell phone number comes up. So you can also utilize that and WhatsApp me the information. Uh, I will share that with the relevant authorities. Uh, that's the active citizenship I think that's required from all South Africans um, that will then work uh, in partnership with government uh, to, to deal with the challenges that we are confronted with. Uh, all South Africans should be the eyes and ears, um, you know, working uh, together with the state. Um, it has to be a partnership. Otherwise, uh, we will not make any, any, any progress. And dare I say, this has to be applicable to all countries in the region. The one thing, though, that I want us not to forget is that uh, you, you should not be uh, misunderstood to be promoting um, that Africans shouldn't be living uh, amongst one another, shouldn't integrate, uh, shouldn't visit one another, shouldn't relate and shouldn't work and live and study in one another's countries. Um, I think that would be uh, something that uh, would be an African. Uh, it should be um, a welcome thing for a Zimbabwean to live Harare, and say, you know, I, I think I will do better in South Africa. I can get a better job in Johannesburg. But that uh, fellow African from Zimbabwe, when they come here, they should do so legally. They should have proper papers uh, and, and uh, you know, should be able to um, uh, find a better life. It should be allowed. I don't think we should say that South Africa wants to close its borders and doors and no foreigner should ever come here. Uh, should ever live here, should ever work here. I, I don't think that's, uh, that's possible. There's no country that uh, can survive um, uh, closing its doors and borders like that. Uh, I, I guess what everyone is saying is that uh, all of these things must happen within the bounds of the law uh, so that people are accountable um, in terms of their activities. I'm not sure if there's a question that I've left out, uh, Chair. Uh, yes, there was a question around... Uh the Nigerians who are opening uh, the so-called, uh, uh, not spaza, the scrap metals and all sorts of businesses as uh, Higher shop. a decoy for other uh, activities. No, I can confirm that uh, this is actually um, uh, true. There are cases that I know law enforcement agencies have um, investigated in the past um, that I am aware of. Uh, so, so I guess the answer is it's known. Uh, the intelligence community will tell you they've compiled numerous reports on uh, activities of that nature. Uh, there have been uh, successful arrests. Uh, of course, it's not everyone uh, who's doing these things that has been 
arrested. And I think that's why I, I am suggesting that uh, where you've got solid information, please do share it with me. Uh, I'll pass it on to, to the relevant authorities to follow up. Uh, thank you. We'll have Quena uh, uh, and then Grev it. Mr. Minyela, for coming through. We wish all your other ministers or whoever that is in government they were as engaging or willing to even just listen to us honestly. Because one, it's very hard to even just get to us to engage us because we've been trying to do that for the longest time. So Raul Hopela or Rawa Lurtushe, Lubujan Tulas or Ramunyak, Ramuhopela, or Atlekin or Dolalarena, because a lot of our issues, some of them as the youth of this country, uh, it's rounded around him. And if he's not willing to engage us, indeed, uh, what you said earlier, that we'll take uh, the law into our own hands. And we are not advocating for that. We have never even once advocated for that. We have been very peaceful. And but peace is sometimes uh, with the government that we are in. We find ourselves being frustrated and being led to do certain things that we do not necessarily agree on. So in future, maybe Sanjarlume, maybe or Atahon Lalarena. Even the president, because of Ermachicho presidenting, President Ansariahai, or to be honest, it was a failure because of his redirecting us to home affairs. And there's been matches already that we have done as put South Africa first towards home affairs. So these issues that you are crying about, about the ZPA and Z whatever, the Zimbabweans and all other immigration issues that we have in the country. And he's redirecting us to support. But he president redirect. Even as people, we get very frustrated. So the issue that is even there, uh, at least this foreign issue is no longer just a city issue. It's even going as far as rural areas. In rural areas, some of us, because of Rudulagai, already with the police service. I mean, even if somebody breaks in my house, they're probably going to come the next day. That is how it is because of uh, issues, city service delivery, how not it's how not any other thing. Uh, those things, some uh, myself, I know I've been advocating for them, especially in the community that I come from. Uh, it's very frustrating for a government arena. They are not even doing awareness campaigns about this. Our government is even failing to engage the media on this because of we are getting attacks from media. The media has uh, premeditated ideas of what we are pushing. But if the government came to play its role to actually even say, yes, we have this kind of problems in this country, it will stop a lot of things. It will even stop our anger every time when we have to even engage with people from outside. And because of uh, some people, 
see it as a as a way of destabilizing us and it's even even painful again that we are in a democratic country we are speaking of democratic values that the ANC somehow allowed uh, ZANU-PF intelligence in this country it's a problem that thing what kind of a democracy are we even advocating for in the first place it's it's something that we need to even question and again uh mamota we went to school i'm not i'm not one i'm one in many that are in villages that went to school any other thing in this country i feel that the government of the anc when they thought of integration of people in the society I'm not disagreeing when you say that we can't necessarily close the borders and say, no, we don't want skilled people and whatever. They forgot of our people. Our people, when I say our people, in townships. So indeed, uh, integration policies or integration method have failed because of certain things in our villages because every year, money is being redirected to accommodate informal settlements and then that money that's supposed to be used for Hamulekwa to do at high road it will never be there even last year when i was pushing for something like a high road i think those who have followed me long they will know about this on my tl that i even went as far as even making a match in my village and getting maoshi korai to match with us even today, so the problem that is there is the ANC, they speak in folk tongues with us and they expect us to be patient. Our patience has worn out. So as international relations, please run the campaign about our issues to show that indeed you are hearing us. And encourage other ministers and uh, people to engage us because of we can't just you know no international relations. Uh, someone is speaking with us like yourself when I missed that lesson. Aron is speaking with us, but it's only a certain portion of people that are willing to engage us. So it's a problem. So ralo just one campaign from the government to address this, it will open this even broadly and it will even give South Africans the confidence to actually even report these issues. Mara, we need to build a country and a country that accommodates even the rural society. And we are saying, the economy of rural areas and township must be reserved for South Africans unapologetically. So we are just being anarchist. We are not anarchist, Mara. We are finding ourselves to be in a certain corner. So thank you. Thank you, Gwen. It's difficult sometimes to, to manage spaces like this where people are talking about their lived experiences and uh, the expectation from government is saying, guys, you have authority, you have power, people are behind you, 
you are not doing what they are expecting, which is not difficult, just putting them first, and that's all. Before you answer, Mr. Munyala, let's have uh, Grave IT and finally Galela, and then you will answer. After that, we'll close our space. For those who haven't accepted, uh, please understand we have lots and lots of people on the queue who want to speak. We can't accommodate all of you. Uh, we are going to have more of this. Uh, let, let me call them more of these question and answers with various departments and ministers. Those who understand that we are not fighting the government, but we just want what is good. Right at the end, I will still want you to finalize on the answering of uh, the issue around restaurant and space and all these things. But for now, let me give the mic to Gravit. After Gravit, we'll have Galela and then Munyela will uh, close off and then we can close the space. Thank you. Thank you, Magalani. Um, and thank you, Clayton, for availing yourself. Um, on the issue of uh, having arrangements with uh, regional partners uh, to make contributions to services that are provided to immigrants uh, in the country, I don't think it will ever work. And, and um, I have reference to this. Um, I used to work for the aviation and uh, we used to actually provide services to the Department of uh, Home Affairs. Um, the services we provided was to transport um, deportees uh, to their uh, receiving countries. And uh, as you spoke about Indela, I've been there several times, and they get legal services coming from the taxpayers, amenities coming from the taxpayers of South Africa. And now, not only that, now when we deport these people, uh, the bill goes to the receiving country. Now, when the bill goes to receiving countries, we used to hear straight from the horse's mouth from their immigration authorities, even some of their ministers telling us that we did not send these people to your country, let them go back. They don't want them there. They don't want them back there. I've had incidents in, in many countries where we were turned back as we landed at the airport, Kinshasa airport, especially these um, French countries, especially. We've landed in those places and they would turn us back with the, with the load, with all the passengers, over 200 passengers back to our country. They don't want them back. They are exporting labor to us. And I'm very sure that um, the South African government uh, via ANC um, has an arrangement with these uh, other countries. And this is where the problem is. They have actually made us a, not just a scapegoat, but we, we are now a sacrificial lamp to what is going on with the arrangements of these people I have. It has never happened, and I don't think it will ever work. Uh, these arrangements of having regional partners contributing, it won't work. That's number one. The second issue is that when we're speaking of a moratorium, what we're really saying here is that the issue is so urgent that it deserves the, the attention that it, 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 it needs. And it, what we need here is border control, whether it be, uh, if we want to put in a wall of, great wall of South Africa, let it be but it has to be urgent. If the government does not want to do that, which we hear from you know, various politicians within um, the country, ANC politicians and others, they say they want open borders. If that's what they want, they must tell us, and then, then, then they, want, they will get um, the rest of us. That's exactly what we are looking at. They need, we, we, we are tired of lip service, we are tired of PR statements. And that's, what, that's, that's it from here. Uh, Galela, thanks. Thanks for your uh, for your submission, uh, Gravit. 
Let's have Galela. Um, yes, thanks, Mangalani. Um, I have a few points. Um, it's not so much questions, but it's points. Um, Clayson, thanks for being on space. We understand you're a DDG at DECO. You are not responsible for government because government is a system, you know, there's all sorts of departments. However, being a senior um, government official, we hope you can take these messages to, to the politicians. Um, you know, in South Africa, it's a sovereign country. I mean, it's, it sounds obvious, but for some reason, the ANC government has forgotten about that. Um, South Africa has its own citizens, South Africans, who must be prioritized in their own country. If they are not prioritizing their own country, where should ordinary South Africans go? Where should a kid that has just completed metric is stranded? Where should they work if many of, of, of um, entry-level jobs, for instance, restaurants or working at the petrol station, if they are occupied by foreigners? Where the NC ET Lezo Ingani I seven Zegupi. Two, um, our government is failing to manage the country. The country is a territory, it's a system, it needs to be managed. We should never be apologetic um, in running the country and please the rest of the world at the expense of South Africans. You know, it's the ordinary South Africans on the ground that bear the brand of illegal migrants. You know, you go to many, especially townships around Houting, you know, you see the, the, the pressure on the system, whether it's electricity, whether it's water, whether it's clinics, whether it's schools, it's not the politicians and, and, and you know, people that are well off that bear the brand. So it's not fair that, um, you know, it's um, poor people that have to accommodate um, illegal migrants. You know, most of the time you hear people saying, and, and honestly it makes um, my blood boil and I'm sure it, I'm not the only one. All the time when South Africans, are, when they complain about the burden of illegal migrants, we are told that we must be understanding that when these people come to South Africa, they are suffering in their countries, you know, we must be accommodating. Who, who, who is accommodating South Africans? Why should it be always South Africans that understand? You know, how do you expect a Coco that is raising five kids, you know, they use their last money to take kids to school, the kids go to university, and the next thing, they can't get a job. And when you go to most of the, of the, of the employers, you know, it's full of migrants. And honestly, at this stage, it doesn't matter whether people are legal or not legal. We know that there are many foreigners who come to South Africa to study, and then they don't leave. Our government allows that. Why should a 26-year-old South African be competing with a migrant when we have such a high rate of unemployment? Um, my view is that because we adopted liberal laws and this liberal constitution, which is now a noose on our neck, most of these countries, they are taking advantage of South Africa. We know they take advantage of South Africa. And, and it's painful when as an ordinary South African, the disrespect that we get, you know, cause most of the migrants, they talk to us, you know, wherever we meet, 
they will tell us in our faces that our country is useless, there is no law and order. And some of them, they do tell us in our faces that they are taking advantage of South Africa. It's very painful as an ordinary South African when you hear such things. It's not the politicians who have to, you know, live with, 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 with such insult. They can meet in, you know, in all these meetings. They don't understand the pain that ordinary South Africans suffer. Um, lastly, you know, the, the, the ZIM permits, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who is unhappy that our government knew, they knew that these permits expire in December. Even the Zimbabweans that were given these permits, they knew that the permits expire in December. For our government to say they're giving, you know, the Zimbabweans who had these permits 12 months to regularize themselves in South Africa, I don't even know what that means because when they were given these permits, most of them were illegal in the country. We first regularize and 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 be a a partner in, in crime because when people come here illegally, it's crime. It doesn't matter what's pushing them from, from their countries. We first regularize them. We give them permits in, in, a, in a way that is not right. Now the permits expire. We are now giving them 12 months again to say no, regularize your stay. Honestly, I, I, I don't think our government takes South Africans seriously. Um, this is not what we fought for, you know. When we received our freedom, in inverted commas, in 94, we never thought that 27 years later we'll be begging our government to prioritize us in our country. Maybe the NC must tell us where should ordinary South Africans go? Where should we live? I mean, schools, hospitals, we have to compete, you know. We know most of the foreigners, they gang up against South Africans, they they have WhatsApp groups. They would when when um, the applications open, especially in Gauteng, they give it you know each other tips. They give each other addresses so that they are prioritized in schools. And our kids don't get spaces. Is that fair? The NC must tell us: Is that fair? Is that why we vote for them to be in government? Thanks. Can I just interject uh, with something? Wait, can I just interject with something? Quena, wait. Mm -hmm. I just want to make an announcement. I'm told that Hopewell is here. I would like to give him a mic. I'm told he wants to say something. So, obviously, following the protocol. Uh, no, can I just interject before Hopewell? I, okay. I want to readdress something with uh, Mr. Munyela. Listen, um, the issues that are even there with the embassies that are in South Africa from Africa, that one, they owe city of 20 money. So it's very painful when we learn such information that some of them are not even paying something as little as electricity in our country. And with ESCOM even taking our our thingy, our electricity to, to their countries, do you understand? So the issues of, of Port South Africa first, they are actually very broad. And 
we would like to engage the government and we want to talk to the government. We would like to sit down with the president. We would like to sit down with the relevant uh, ministers to talk about this because uh, as international relations, uh, you guys on the other side, you are sitting on this matter. You are not acting up on this. And uh, recently uh, during COVID, uh, with what happened with the, with the embassies selling alcohol during that time when we said the country does not sell alcohol. I don't know what happened to that case. Uh, I don't know what happened because all of a sudden it has died out. So you guys on the other side, you are even failing to, to hold accountable uh, your fellow uh, diplomats in this country accountable. It's a problem. So please, we are asking, we are still asking at this moment, we are asking, we are open to to, to talk actually. But uh, it's very frustrating that to learn that uh, certain embassies from African continents are not paying uh, the, uh, the, 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 the thing, the city of 20, certain money that they owe them it's a problem so we don't have confidence in this government honestly okay let me let me deal with these questions before i forget ne? Uh, che, if you allow me because these are direct questions yes um, right. firstly, firstly with the issue of non-payments uh, for rates and taxes um it's a simple one it's about the municipality because these are services rendered by municipalities. So this is a local government issue. It's very simple. You need to enforce the laws. If you as Quena don't pay rates and taxes where you live, you know what happens? They cut off your water. They cut off your electricity. So even in this case, as a client of uh, the municipality, if an entity, whether they are an embassy or it's an SOE or it's a private individual, if they don't pay, the municipality has laws in place that they need to enforce. So it can't be the problem of a government or the Department of International Relations and Cooperation. Laws exist for a reason. The second issue raised is about diplomats that were found to be abusing uh, certain uh, diplomatic uh, privileges. Uh, in this case, um, um, courtesies that allow them to buy duty-free alcohol. Um, so, so for those who don't understand, so as a diplomat, uh, you've got uh, privileges um, where you go to shops that sell alcohol duty-free. So you don't pay the tax that an ordinary South African would pay if they were to buy the same bottle of whiskey. Um, so, so just an update, because you asked the question, you don't know what happened to that case. Again, in our case, because where we operate, at least where I personally uh, uh, have influence, uh, we don't compromise in terms of the laws of this country. We enforce them without um, apologizing. All the diplomats that were found to have abused uh, their uh, diplomatic uh, privileges were declared persona non grata. What that means uh, in diplomacy is that you are expelled from South Africa and you are not allowed to set foot in South Africa ever again. Um, in fact, what we also got is that uh, countries where these diplomats come from issued statements, firstly apologizing to South Africa, but secondly agreeing 
with the steps that South Africa has taken to expel those diplomats. Um, and those people have since been uh, replaced by uh, you know, other diplomats that will hopefully respect the laws of South Africa. So in our case, we have acted uh, and we don't hesitate to act wherever laws of this country uh, are broken. Uh, so that's just the, the direct questions to, rather direct answers to the two questions you've raised. The previous speaker raised a general point about whether uh, this government um, is serious about putting the interest of uh, South Africans first. Um, let me just say this. I think what has also, in my view, um, um, complicated the picture a little bit, uh, and perhaps that's a wrong choice of words, um, not necessarily complicated the picture. Uh, what has made South Africans even more angry uh, uh, I want to argue, is that we saw announcements by two countries in our region, Botswana uh, and Zimbabwe, um, uh, setting aside certain categories of their economy or certain sectors, I should say, uh, low or entry-level um, uh, sectors, uh, setting them aside for their own citizens. Uh, I remember when those announcements were made, um, uh, uh, social media was ablaze uh, with questions around, you see, other countries are, are putting their citizens first. Uh, what is South Africa doing? Um, I tweeted in response to those two announcements, and I raised the question, um, and I was deliberate in raising that question to say, now, if you've got Botswana and Zimbabwe in particular taking this particular route, uh, of course, uh, students of economics uh, will tell you this is uh, protectionism. Um, others who study politics will also hoi in nationalism in there. Um, but I raise the question, do citizens of Botswana and Zimbabwe face similar restrictions in South Africa? In other words, are they prohibited from participating in this entry-level sectors of the South African economy? Are they not allowed, for example, to participate in the hospitality industry? People were raising the issue of restaurants, um, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Spur uh, was mentioned. So I asked the question, if these countries are doing this, what will happen if South Africa was to take a similar stance? Um, and as deliberate, I was... Uh, doing that so that South Africans must uh, understand that it's not that we don't see what is happening. Uh, it's not that we don't have our own lived experiences as individuals. Somebody asked the question, don't you guys go to this restaurant? Don't you get served? Uh, don't you see what is happening? Uh, we do. Um, and that's why if you, um, if you recall, the Minister of Small Business has also raised this matter as something that requires attention from a policy uh, point of view. Uh, so I, I do um, think that uh, uh, there is a lot of uh, movement on the policy front um, at various levels of government, because as I say, uh, what is happening is not sustainable in the long run. You can't have a country with the highest uh, levels of unemployment uh, amongst young people, uh, and you don't make an intervention uh, it's a ticking time bomb. Um, uh, and some of us have raised these matters with the leadership of this country. Uh, and that's why there are various interventions. I mean, the president uh, in the last two State of the Nation addresses um, uh, announced uh, 
measures uh, to prioritize the employment of young people. Whether those are effective now um, is debatable, uh, but I know that uh, there is work being done around that because I think there is an acceptance that this is a challenge that requires urgent and immediate uh, attention. Um, so yeah, I, I thought I must respond to, to Gwena uh, because she had raised direct uh, questions um, and broadly try and uh, you know, reflect on the other questions that have been raised. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Munyela. Uh, we have come to uh, the close of our space and it will be improper of me not to thank you for making time and uh, just as Gwena said, we really want to engage uh, a lot more. Uh, of course, I will be very honest with you, Mr. Munera, that we are at a point where we want to take uh, our fight uh, to the streets because we do realize that uh, our departments in our government, they are not taking us serious. And for that, I can safely say that for now, uh, Mr. Mutswaridi has dodged the bullet. We won't be visiting him. But uh, as for Mr. Tulasunesi, uh, Minister Tulasunesi will definitely be visiting him sometime soon. Uh, I would like to take this opportunity and thank my co-host Aluna Mda and Elmond Ovu for making time. As for other speakers, please bear with us we have to close the space we started at eight like we said all our space thursday evening at eight and they close at 10 ideally but of course we do run over some time when there are more speakers who want to uh, come on the podium with uh, something that all of us would like to hear we are not dismissing you uh, please join us next time as for everyone who has made time, we really thank you. And very importantly, is the point that was made right at the end. It is very important that we all understand. We are not against Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia as countries. We respect their laws. All we are asking from our government is we have laws as a country. Please let's implement these laws. And we are not asking this country to operate as an island. We know it doesn't work. But we are asking our government to implement the laws just as me as an individual. If I don't follow the law, there are consequences. So we are saying to the government, do you really want us to take laws into our own hands when you have all the means and the resources to enforce our laws? Please enforce our laws. As for economics, it's really, I really don't understand it, but I think it's a point that I attended one of Hope Space and he made that point that African leaders don't realize that uh, the biggest issue, why suddenly some uh, I mean, preach for open borders, is because they are mismanaging their countries. And I want to reiterate that we are not going to solve Zimbabwe's problem. We are not going to solve uh, uh, Nigerian or Malawian's problems. We have to fix our own problems and let Zimbabweans solve their own problems. Thank you all for joining us, and we officially close the space. Thank you. <laughs>